Good morning. Thank you for joining us at Redwood Christian Fellowship this morning on our webpage or in our Facebook account. And we're going through the book of Ruth together. And as we're in Ruth chapter 2 starting today, and I want to review briefly chapter 1. But as we begin, let's open with prayer. Father, we come this morning to ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we open your word through your Holy Spirit. You'd open our hearts and our minds to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. In chapter 1, we find that there is a famine in the land of Israel. And Elimelech, he's from the tribe of Judah, lives in Bethlehem. His wife, Naomi, and their two sons uh, decide to leave Israel. In leaving Israel, they're going to pull themselves out from under the covering of, of, of the people of Israel and, in a sense, taking things into their own hands, uh, becoming uh, independent, if you will, of, of what's going on there, hoping that where they go, they'll have more success and find more food. And so they decide to move to Moab, one of the uh, historical enemies of Israel on the southeast part of the sea, uh, the Dead Sea. And so as they, they move, that's where they settle. And I, what I want to do here, just as a way of review, is just to skip ahead 10 years uh, and look backwards. And so a decade has passed. We're looking back. Elimelech has died and left Naomi a widow. The sons have married Moabite women. And uh, the name of the women is Orpah and Ruth. It doesn't tell us exactly when, but the sons also die. So that leaves Naomi without any help, any male people to come alongside uh, to help her survive, as well as the two wives, uh, Orpah and Ruth. And so Naomi decides that the best thing that she could do is to go back to Bethlehem. She hears there's food in Israel again. The famine is over. And, and so she's ready to, to, to go back. And so she releases her daughter-in-laws from her. In other words, basically says, look, you can go back to your homes, to your people in Moab, and uh, I release you to go. I'm going to go back to uh, Elimelech's family in Bethlehem, and that's where I'm headed. Well, Orpah goes. She decides that that's what she wants to do. But Ruth wants to remain, and she's real definite about it. Uh, in the first chapter, I would just read a couple of verses from there. It says, Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will, there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said, no more. And so Ruth goes with Naomi. And they go to Bethlehem. They've heard that there's, like I said, they heard that the harvest is back, that Israel has food, and God is blessing them again. 
Naomi and Ruth, they get to Bethlehem. And an interesting thing happened. Naomi is recognized. And uh, it says, uh, is this not Naomi? And Naomi says to them, do not call me Naomi. By the way, the name Naomi means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt with uh, very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So her bitterness is the fact that she's lost her husband, her sons. She's left Moab, returned home, and she has nothing. And so she says, you know, I'm, I'm bitter. Just, just call me Mara. Um, the Almighty has brought calamity on me. And so you can see in a sense that she's angry at God for the position that she's in. Bitter towards God. So that takes us to chapter 2 where I want to start this morning. So chapter 2, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this a few verses at a time and then explain those verses. So let's start with verse 1 going through verse 3. Chapter 2 of Ruth, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. I'm going to stop right there for a moment and say, that's just an introduction to this. It's a way of, in a narrative story, setting someone up to be reintroduced again to emphasize them. And, and then it goes on. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him who has, uh, whose sight I shall find favor. And the him would be the overseer of the field. It's, it's not the owner or anything like that. It's just she's going to go out and find favor, meaning she's going to ask, she's going to plead and get the favor of the overseer that she might glean the fields. Um, let's take a quick look. The word glean is, is something that is, for the Hebrew people, very, very important. Um, it's the ability for the women, it would be specifically... Uh, strangers or, or uh, foreigners, the orphans, the widows. Well, let's just look at Leviticus chapter 19 and uh, get a clearer picture. Leviticus chapter 19 explains what is going on here. Uh, chapter uh, 19, verses 9 through 10. This is the law of God. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to, the, to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after you harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So, the edges of the field, the corners of the field were to be left for the poor people, the, the, the sojourner, the foreigner, the alien, uh, the fatherless, the, you know, the widow to come and to glean. Plus, anything that was left in the field behind the first harvest was to be left as well. And the poor people were allowed to come through and glean. Moses, just before uh, they go into the promised land, uh, repeats this for them. 
And I'll, I'll read that account as well. Verse 24 of uh, chapter 24 of Deuteronomy, verse 19. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and therefore I command you to do this. So what we see here is God has set up a system to take care of the needs of those who don't have someone to come alongside them. The, the widow who's lost her husband, uh, the, the orphans, uh, they've lost their father, and even the strangers, it says, the aliens or, 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 or the sojourners, uh, the foreigners, different translations, so that as they're walking down the road, they, they are hungry, they're allowed to go into the field along the edges and where it has already been harvested and, and glean whatever they can for their own needs. Uh, as we get back to, to, to Ruth now, I just I want you to understand the gleaning. As we get there, it says that, uh, she says, Ruth the, the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him and who is at sight, I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So, verse 3 of chapter 2, so she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. So we have Ruth starting to do the work of gleaning in fields in Bethlehem, just outside of Bethlehem. Continuing in verse 3, it says, And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Now, we already mentioned him in the first verse. Now, the idea is to emphasize, oh, I know who he is. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. I want to stop right there for a moment and say, what amazing timing is going on here. Ruth has been gleaning in the fields, uh, and not just Boaz's field, but as she gets to, the, to Boaz's property, she's just beginning to glean in that piece of property. Just as she's beginning to glean in that piece of property, Boaz has left Bethlehem to go to his field to check him out, see what's going on, and he happens to be at his field at the time that Ruth is moving into it to glean. And so we have... Boaz and Beth uh, from uh, and 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 Ruth there at exactly the same time and I wrote here in my notes coincidence and what we realize is that no it's God's perfect timing God gives us the choices we make but it's still he guides our steps to bring about his purpose he uses the greeting with his uh, workers the lord be with you common blessing to offer to them. And they reply, the Lord bless you. There is a, a, a relationship between he and his workers. And it seems to be one of, of, of a sense of closeness. So now let's go back to uh, chapter 2 and, and look at verse 5. 
Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. She had won the favor of the overseer. As a foreigner, she came in and was allowed to glean. And so, again, this perfect timing. Boaz not only shows up at his field, but he shows up right where Ruth is working. Whose young woman is this? Why, it's the Moabite woman. Fills him in. Hard worker. So Boaz speaks directly to Ruth. Verse 8. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Now, there's an implication here that he's a little bit older than she is by age and taught her my relative could be also a part of that picture. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Verse 9. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So Boaz sets it up and basically, stay under my protection. Stay in my fields. And as long as you're in my fields, you don't have to worry about being assaulted or anything. This was one of the problems. Uh, was a young woman who would be a foreigner after dark or at a time when nobody else was looking could easily have been assaulted and it wasn't something that, that didn't happen. And so he's protecting her. And as he, as he protects her, he says, stay in my fields, stay with my women, and you will be okay. Verse 10, she responds to this. She says, uh, it says that she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and she said to him, Boaz, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. See, Boaz actually... We don't know how it all came together, but knows more. Whether the, the, the overseer had heard more and told Boaz more, or maybe through the family chain of things, which would happen as well. He's heard about her. He's never met her, but he's heard about her and how she's been taking care of Naomi. She says, You left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. And now he offers a blessing on her. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It's a powerful verse. And it has a lot of meaning to it. It's found in the Psalms uh, several times. It's in, and it's, a, it's the position of a child of God under the wings of a child of God is under the wings of God, under taking refuge in, in that position. Uh, Psalm 91, 
verse 4 uh, is one of the psalms that reflects on that. Psalm 91. Well, actually, I want to read this in context. So, Psalm 91, starting with the first verse. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, which is Satan, and from the deadly pestilence, death, and he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. And so he, he makes this comment to her that you have, uh, that you are under, you know, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. It lets you know that, that she has made a confession. And someone might say, well, how do you know that? Well, part of it goes back to what she said when she talked to Ruth about going with her to Bethlehem. She says, your God will be my God. That's a covenant statement of covenant language. Your God will be my God. Like God saying, your peop- you, know, you will be my people, I will be your God. And she's saying, now, your God will be my God. And here, again, she, she makes this clear picture. The Lord of Israel, under whose, that He speaks to her about, you, you have, give, have given you by the Lord, the Lord of Israel, who under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You have found refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Boaz, you are treating me as if I were one of your people, one of your servants. And here I am, a sojourner, a foreigner in your land. Now, Boaz seems to be making some movement here towards getting to know her even better because in verse 14 it says at mealtime Boaz said to her so he's still talking with her when it comes time to to eat together come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine so she sat beside the reapers and 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 he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over More than enough. Boaz provided her, made sure she had more than enough. He knew that she would be able to take some with her. When she rose to glean, now listen carefully to this, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. Now the gleaners were not allowed to move into where they were harvesting. And where they were pulling the sheaves and, and, and bringing it in. And yet, he said, let her move among the sheaves. And do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it to her to glean and do not rebuke her. Now, I have to say, I don't know a great amount about agriculture and putting the sheaves together, bringing in the sheaves. You've heard the song and the favor. But what they did was as they harvested the grain and they cut it, they tied it into bundles. And then they put the bundles into a, a large standing uh, sheave is what they called it, where they, and, and tied it together. And then the, 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 they would come and pick those up and put them in their wagon and haul them off. 
And so she's moving amongst that area. That area normally wasn't allowed to be gleaned until all that work was done. And yet she had permission to go in and glean among those areas. And, and then he, they said carefully, do not rebuke her, let her go. So, verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. It's about 30 pounds. That's no small gleaning. That's a lot of work. And she, and, and, uh, and she was able to get that, and, and she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, she also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied at the meal with Boaz. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now, it's interesting that Naomi would notice that. Blessed be the man that took note of you, or notice of you. But she had to assume that someone was allowing her to do more than just glean in the normal places because she had way too much food. And she says, where have you worked? Where have you been that you would get so much? Blessed be the man that allowed you to do this. And, and so we have uh, this, this picture of, of what she brought home. And I, I'm thinking about just trying to watch her bring this home. I don't know, it created a mental picture in my mind. She's carrying, trying to get 30 pounds. She has a, a, a sack thing that she brings with her. She, she's trying to get 30 pounds of, of, and not just wheat itself, but, but threshed wheat. The, she's just the kernel. She's trying to get 30 pounds home. I don't know whether she's trying to carry it over her shoulder or whether she's dragging it on the ground, but it's, an, it's no small load. And she gets it home. Bless the man who took notice of you. Pick it up at verse 20 in chapter 2. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, Well, the man is, is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And, and Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this, the, with his young women, lest in other fields you could be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. A close relative, a redeemer. There's a, a, a part of the Hebrew culture. A redeemer was somebody in the family line not a direct relative, but someone in the family line. In this case, it would be of the tribe of Judah. Elimelech was of the tribe of Judah as well. And the Redeemer would come and invest, buy back what was lost by the family and reestablish that line of the family. So what in this case would be the property that Elimelech left behind the Redeemer would come back and purchase. And then he would take, as, as his wife, the widow. In this case, he wouldn't take Naomi. He would take Ruth 
and and they would uh, and the firstborn child of that family would have the land of Elimelech and continue to carry that line of of, of the family. So the redeemer loses his that property back into the other lineage, into the other line, into the Elimelech line in this case. So he's a redeemer in their family. He's someone who, and, and it's not that that's his job. Oh, I'm the redeemer. I can do this. He's one of the people eligible to be a redeemer. And so he's, uh, we see that, 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 that Boaz is in line to come alongside the family of Naomi and, and, and Ruth and, and really help them. What I, and, and this idea of who a redeemer is is going to be talked about in detail in the next chapter, chapter 3 and chapter 4. But I want to close with this thought. Boaz is, is to be seen as one who walks in the way of the Lord. Uh, I had one commentator put it, he is a Psalm 1 man. And I thought I would close with a little bit of thought, a little thought about Psalm 1. The first three verses describes the man of God in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or in the counsel of the world. Nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. This is Boaz. He's a man who doesn't take his counsel from the world, doesn't take his counsel from those who mock God, but he takes his counsel from the Word of God. He meditates on it. He's like a tree. As a result, he's like a tree that has been planted. And in every, he yields his leaf and, 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 and he prospers. God blesses him. And I thought about that. Boaz is still an active farmer after going through years of a famine. Now he's a, a successful farmer again. And God has blessed him. And so I can see how he got tagged with this name, a Psalm 1 man. He is a man that is to be seen who walks in the way of the Lord. And, and he's, he's going to be very special to us as we get through the book of Ruth together. So next week we'll start to look at chapter 3 and look a little closer at the idea of the Redeemer and then to chapter 4 where we really focus on it. Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us. Let's again close with prayer. Father, we thank You. We ask Your blessing. Let Your Word go with us through Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.